Hello and welcome to Too Many Movies, the podcast where we discuss DVDs, Blu-rays, and even the occasional VHS tape. I'm your host, Hal, and with me here today, Romy, introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Romy. Um, I'm known in the Shape Circle as uh, Fraggle Vision Returns, uh, several times editor for Shaferless Productions, inactive YouTube pooper, um, currently an, an award-winning film, filmmaker... Uh, defeater of Ragnar the Wretched, and the youngest new to ever achieve the rank of general in the great Newtopian army. Wow, those last few things, I don't know what those are. But hey, that's good that you uh, are those that things. Was an, that was an amphibia. Like, the last few things were, like, an amphibia reference. Oh, uh, okay, amphibia. Wow, okay. Regular old Standrew over here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, welcome to the show, Romy. Um, yeah, I've been meaning to get you on the podcast for a while now because I've been on your podcast twice. Um, and just things have been happening, but hey, we did it. We're finally here to discuss movies on too many movies. Uh, yeah, we did it. Uh, so there's no time like the present. Let's get started with today's first movie. Uh, Romy, why don't you introduce this one? I think you're kind of more obsessed with this movie considering it has John C. Riley in it. Why, why don't, why don't you start things off? Uh, oh, uh. Okay, so Wreck It Ralph. Um, it's yeah. in my letter. It's in my letterbox top four. Because mm-hmm. like Penelope is literally me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is there a right or wrong way to introduce it? I'm not no. as familiar with the podcast as. Okay. No, you good. just you just say, "Hey, the the movie we're talking about it today." Hey, yeah, Wreck It Ralph. We're talking about it. Very good. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, what did you what do, what do you think of Wreck It Ralph? Um, oh, I love it. Yeah. It's like, um, like I, I I remember seeing it like the month after it came out, I, and I, I was I, I remember I was really interested in it like from the first trailer. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I was interested in seeing it like when it came out, and um, it was because um, all these uh, the villain the villains anon scene. The Badanon? Yeah, the Badanon uh, scene. Yeah, I, I just had Eggman and Bowser and uh, Bison. Yeah. And uh, Zombie and Clyde. <laughs> God, I love... I, I remember watching it um, with my little cousin, and uh, I, I don't remember where, but she was like... Uh, as you remember when, like, like Kano, uh, is, am I pronouncing his name right? He When he did the heart thing with the zombies, she was like, he tore the zombie's heart out! Uh, it wasn't like, uh, she wasn't, like, scared or anything, but um, she just noticed it. Like, right. She, she, I'm probably too young to recognize the reference. Right, exactly. Well, I mean, I think that's an interesting point to bring up, like, too young to understand the reference. There's a lot of video game references in this movie because, well, it is technically a video game movie. Um, yeah. But a video game movie in the same sense as, like, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, where, yes, it is a movie with a whole lot of references to other things, and it's, like, sort of a crossover movie. But, again, similar to Ro- Roger Rabbit, in a way it still like has a centralized story with new brand new characters that we've never seen before in other movies. Yeah. And, uh, 
and and the references are well implemented on yeah. like Shark Tale, which, which like um just throws a bunch of references and like he's like ha he ha he ha he said you can't handle the truth. You laugh at the joke. You had me at hello. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then and then like the Shrek. And then there's like the Shrek movies. The scene where the ring falls on Fiona's finger looks pretty cool out of context, but then you remember it's like a Lord of the Rings reference. Yeah, yeah. I think this is more akin to Shrek in that way. Yeah, I I've always when it comes to like crossover movies, a la Roger Rabbit, like I've always kind of seen Wreck-It Ralph as also being in that kind of level of Roger Rabbit where like, you know, oh, it's this kind of movie but good. Um I still prefer Roger Rabbit personally because I just think that's a fucking fantastic movie. Um but on They're both in my top. They're both in like I both gave him both five stars. I mean, honestly, the fact that Wreck-It Ralph is even, like, close enough to Roger Rabbit in that way, in my mind, is, like, amazing. Because, like, I would never have expected a movie in the 2010s to be, like, a real subtle crossover that could be compared to Roger Rabbit. Like, that's just um, insane to me. Um, But, yeah, no, like, I'm... Super glad you recommended this because I feel like this is a good movie I needed to rewatch to really kind of get a better sense of how I feel about it. I really loved it, like rewatching it again. I'm like, wow, I, because I, like I feel like the longer we get away from like 2010s Disney, the more critical I am of it, where you start to really kind of think about just how kind of just kind of messy that whole decade was for them. But I really feel like Wreck-It Ralph is one that still, to this day, is really good. Because, and for, again, like I've been saying, I'm amazed that it's that good. Because it has so many things working against it, but it still over- overcomes those things. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, um, yeah. And then, then you get to, like, the personal connection. Um, as, like, a just... I'm very similar to Vanellope, um, to the point where I actually look like her. Mm-hmm. It, like uh, we look very similar, except I have glasses, and um, I'm just, I'm like I'm like shorter than most people in my family. And uh, the scene where he, Ralph destroys Vanellope's car just it, it struck a nerve with me that it really shouldn't have, mm-hmm. because like I've had like. I've had that sort of experience before. You you know what's great about that scene is that you'd think it's like so it's supposed to be like a a setup for like the third act where like the characters don't like each other, you know, until they eventually uh make up to like, you know, work together in the end. But like you know, it's kind of a mixture of things. It's like you'd think it's going to be like a liar reveal or like a misunderstanding or like all these third act tropes that we've seen a million times in other kids movies. But it's really not any of those things. Yes, it's a it's a third act breakup, but it's done cleverly because, oh, Ralph just talked with King Candy. King Candy is like essentially saying like, hey, if, uh, you know, Vanellope wins, then you know, our game eventually gets shut down. And so in Ralph's mind, yeah, that makes sense. He's not really, I I guess he is being lied to in that sense by the villain. I mean, duh, because he's the villain, but like in Ralph's mind, that still makes sense. 
And he doesn't, like, lie at all to Vanellope. He's not just, like, coming up with some lie. He's genuinely like, hey, King Candy told me that, you know, because you're a glitch, if you win the race, you put, you know, the entire game at risk. Like, I I feel like in any other movie, he would have, like, come up with a lie and, like, it would have just been forced in that kind of sense. But it's, like, it's delivered really naturally. And so then when he's, like, you know, destroying the car... You know, it's not out of a. It's not out of him like lying, and so like it feels forced. Like it's it genuinely comes across as natural in that sense. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. Yeah. I just. I don't know. I really appreciate that this movie doesn't take the easy way out. It tries to force drama. Like it actually feels naturalized. Um, and I think that's also a testament to how good these characters are. Like. You know, I love Ralph. I like Vanellope. I don't think I would in any other movie, but I think they work really well because, I mean, not only do they uh, go back and forth with each other and it's entertaining to see, but like you actually feel that they care for each other because, you know, they've been through a lot in the movie. And and so then when Ralph is actually destroying the car, I do feel kind of sad. I'm like, he doesn't want to do it, but he in his mind he has no other choice so you're like yeah no i totally buy that yeah i just love how like and sarah silverman's acting in that scene um mm-hmm. like she she really like it really hammers it home she's just she just it feels like so terrified yeah i i'm not annoyed by a sarah silverman performance that's insane <laughs> that's but good i'm glad i'm so glad that she's actually delivering this really heart-wrenching performance in that instance like i am yeah i'm totally buying her like actual just depressed and so miserable uh performance by it like she's just she genuinely sounds heartbroken when like seeing ralph destroy this mario kart made of candy like it's 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 insane i mean i don't i mean to me, both of the Ralph movies have like um, I I like Ralph breaks the internet more than I should because it gives me more Ralph and Penelope. I just love mm-hmm. these two with all my heart. Sure, I can get that. I mean, I don't like Ralph breaks the internet, but I get like the idea of like you know you at least get more of those characters in that sense. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I mean, because here's the thing: like Wreck and Ralph, again, like I've been saying, like for all. For all it does, like, I probably shouldn't like it as much as I do um, because it is that crossover movie where it's like, oh, we have all these video game characters, but they're n- but none of them are like, you know, major players. Like, yes, you see Bowser. Yes, you see Eggman. You see Sonic like several times throughout the yeah, movie. I'm not, I, not using it as a crutch. Exactly. It's not a crutch. It's just it adds to the world building because you see Sonic sometimes. You see these characters sometimes. Like, I guess probably the most major character that was previously established that plays a part is Cubert. But like, you know, how many kids know who Cubert is? Like, it, you know, it, it, they're not using Cubert as like a crutch in that sense. They're actually using Cubert as a character in the movie, you know? Uh, to further the plot along. Exactly. that whole scene where like Cubert hops up into Felix and he's like, my Cubertese is a little rusty. Yeah, it, it, it leads to a joke, but it's a funny joke. And but it also <laughs> does further the plot along. So it's it it feels like the movie was well thought out. Like that's a good thing. That's the best thing I can say about a movie that it's well thought out. <laughs> 
Uh, let me try and think of other things. I want to talk about King Candy. Can we talk about King Candy? Yeah. I was, like, upon this most recent rewatch, I was like, holy crap. What a great twist villain. Like, it's... it. Yeah. W- w- this is the kind of villain you want to see in a lot of movies. So, you have the moment where, like, he's introduced and you're like, eh, he's kind of, like, so over the top that you're just like, I think he's going to be a bit of a villain, but you're, but, but he still has like, he still like has a twist to him that still reveals him in the third act is like, like you didn't see it coming. You're just like, wow. Yeah. I, I'm, I just want to unfavorably compare it to some other twist villains of the decade. (laughs) I felt the worst being the one from turbo. Oh uh, yeah. Driver. And, And he just, like, when he's revealed to be the twist villain, he just starts acting evil for just because he can. Yeah. Like, in public. <laughs> that's not how you do it. Yeah. Oh, that's been, like, a huge thing with all these twist villains, is, like, at first, they're perfectly normal. And then, like, once they're revealed to be the villains, they're all of a sudden evil. You got your Hans. You got your... That was his mistake guy. You got the sheep from Zootopia. Like, these are characters that probably could be good twists, but they still act, they act so different than what they were before that the twist doesn't come off as natural. It just comes off as, like, last minute. Like, the filmmakers are just like, oh, let's make him a villain so then we have a villain in the third act. It's just like, no, that's not how you write a villain. Whereas King Candy, he's essentially acting the same way throughout the entire movie. So... Like, there's no difference, but, it, you know, they still implement a twist into him that works where, okay, he's not King Candy, he's actually Turbo, but it still works. Like, he's still a threatening villain, but he's also an entertaining villain because I just love the voice that Alan Tudyk does for him. He sounds like the Mad Hatter from Alice in Wonderland, where he's just like, yeah. it's me, King, King Candy. Yeah, like the Edwin. Yeah, the Edwin, voice. exactly. I was, I was, I'm pretty sure that was intentional. Yeah. Yeah, no, but like I don't know, it's just it's like I I don't know, like I you don't often think of King Candy as like one of those great Disney villains, but he kind of is when you really think about it. Like yeah, he doesn't have like presence to him like say Ursula or Scar or Jafar do. Like but I think because those are like such like high-tier Disney villains that like we kind of forget about the other villains and like i think king candy should go down as like one of the one of like the best disney villains because not only is he really entertaining to watch and he's really well implemented into the movie like his twist really works like it's it's just a very well-written villain character in a movie like this yeah Yeah, i i should mention like um it, the movie was unfairly snubbed at the Oscars and the Golden Globes, but it won a boatload of Annie Awards, and mm-hmm. one of them was for Alan Tudyk's performance as King Candy. Oh, it's so deserved. He's so funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. This was kind of robbed, but at the same time, I mean, it's the Oscars. Like, how much do they actually know? So I'm not that pissed off by it, but at the same time, yeah, I guess, I guess it would have been nice if this won something major, but... Again, I'm not, you know, um, losing sleep I'm at night assuming, knowing that. Yeah, the kids, the the kids' choice awards are is kind of major. It won like best animated movie. Okay, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Actually, it's funny that you bring up like how it got snubbed because I 
if I remember correctly, it was Brave that won the best animated feature at yes, the Oscars. Yes, it was. Right? And the, like, and then Nintendo put out a, a picture of Bowser saying, "Ah, Wreck-It Ralph was robbed." <laughs> I and didn't know that, but that's and funny. Then, and then, and then they they actually used it in the Shaperla's uh, best animated features ranked video because Brave was like at the bottom slot, and he was like, "There's no way it deserved the, to win over Wreck-It Ralph." Everyone disliked that. Yeah. Yeah, no, I can buy that. But it's just funny that because, like, I remember um, years ago seeing that, like, someone made the uh, comparison of Wreck-It Ralph to Brave, saying how, like, it's weird that, like, Brave was the Pixar movie of that year and Wreck-It Ralph was the Disney movie of 2012, where it feels like it should be switched because Brave seems like a pretty average, like, Disney princess movie, whereas, like, Wreck-It Ralph has that, like, Pixar cleverness to it. Like, I don't know. That that just, like, really got my mind thinking at that time. Like, oh. Yeah, I do the, think about that whole, often. Yeah, the whole what-if video games had feelings that right. Pixar finds yeah. itself on. But, like, I mean, that just show, goes to show that, like, you know, not every studio has a set-in-stone formula. Like, other studios can take those formulas and kind of form something new with that, you know? Because I feel like... Uh, Pixar probably could could have just made would have just made Wreck-It Ralph to be like a Pixar movie. Whereas I feel like Wreck-It Ralph has aspects of that Pixar charm, but it's still undeniably its own movie. You know? Yeah. Um. I was gonna say something and I forgot. Um. <laughs> <laughs> um so I just want to say, like, if I end up being friends with John C. Riley IRL, it would just kind of radiate the image of remember ralph and vanellope this is them now feel old yet yeah exactly <laughs> well speaking of john c Riley, he really works as ralph like i think his yeah, voice he's... acting is very good in this movie yeah he has like he like he he's he's he has that like he, he has such a expressive voice like like you he, he's just uh, so like both frustrated and just soft and mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. He he's not just like the like the part of the Will Ferrell duo in like some stupid Will Ferrell comedy. Like he actually brings something to this character that I don't think many other actors could. Like he has like this comedic voice, but you still feel bad for him essentially. Like I, he he has that emotion down really well. I think it works really really well. Yeah. <laughs> and you like and i remember reading that like i remember hearing that like they had like um the voice actors and um, often read scenes like together with like a little wall separating them so like they could play off each other better um i i think john talks about it in like the his um sag after Com- conversations video like he's like he's likening it to um it it was a trick that Sean Penn told him um so when like people are recording people are on the phone in a movie and like you can tell when like most of the time you can tell when like there's nobody on the other end and um so the trick is that like ha- having the other person on read the lines off screen or like some other person read them so like better plays off them and it's like looking in like 
I, I feel like I, I can explain it better than he does. Um, I don't remember. Like, I, I think I can find it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's something I've always thought about is like um, how voice actors record their lines for like animated stuff, because I because like whenever you see like behind the scenes of like voice actors and recording booths, it almost always is just these voice actors like standing in a room with a microphone and they're just like delivering these lines. And so you kind of wonder like, oh, when it's like really good films where like the characters have really good chemistry off one another, you really have to kind of imagine like, you know, when do like how well are the are like the sound mixers or how good are the performances like all these things like start to really like enter into your mind when you think about that because like oh these care these actors never really meet each other that often but yet hearing their characters interact with one another just feels so natural like it that that's just so amazing but if you're saying that like several times while recording like they actually did have um you know them interacting with one another like that's awesome like that's cool that they would actually do that yeah it's some yeah it's really interesting i i love when people i think shark tale did it too they would have like some voice actors in the same room so they could play off each other and, and like, as we know, Shark Tale ended up very good. <laughs> it, it's like inter- It's like it's such a fascinating train wreck. Yeah, yeah, that are, that is true. Are you gonna get? Yeah, are you gonna get James for the Shark Tale episode if it ever happens? Uh, I don't know. Mayhaps, but like that's probably years down the line. But I mean, I can't imagine anybody else filling in that role. So that's the thing. <laughs> Uh, but yeah. Um, oh God, what else is there to say about Wreck-It Ralph? There, there's a lot. Like, there's just a lot that I love about this movie. Um, I love Jane Lynch as Sergeant Calhoun. I think she's oh. really funny. I love the, I love the scene where like Felix is just like, wow, she's super strict, and like the random soldiers just like she was programmed with the saddest backstory ever, and you're just like. Like, not only is it really funny the way they say that, like, she was programmed with the saddest backstory ever, like, that's really funny, but also, like, it leads to some really good flashbacks where, like, Felix says, like, oh, you're one dynamite gal, and then you have that scene where, like, uh, she meets her husband, and he's like, you're one dynamite gal, and then it goes through all these different scenes of him calling her dynamite gal, and it just repeats, and it's, it's really funny, but, like... You still it's also tragic. It, it's tragic, but I think it's still delivered in such a comedic way that like it's both funny, but you still understand the tragedy of that because well, like the tragedy part is the joke. Um, cause like, but that's the thing is like the movie's not really about her. So the tragedy is treated as more like a joke. And also, like it said, it's a, it's a simulation. It's like, it, she was programmed to be like that, but I don't think that takes away from, you know, her actually hurting because, well, you know, the performance is so good. But again, like, you know, that's not what the movie's about. So it's more treated as a joke. But again, Dynamite Gal, like, I quote that constantly, all the time. It's just such a good yeah. line. Yeah, and, like, there's also, like, a fridge horror element to her being programmed with the backstory because, like, there is a possibility that it's, like, a cutscene, which means she would have to, like, relive it over and over like yeah uh, like either as like either 
when if everyone if somebody starts a game or if or like uh, as part of like you know how arcade machines have an attract mode mm -hmm. they, they don't like like she even like she could even be reliving it when um the game isn't even in action yeah exactly exactly I mean, that's the thing about this movie. I like the idea that they set it in an arcade. Like, I feel like you don't often see arcades a lot anymore. Um, they're kind of a dying industry just because people would rather play video games at home now that it's like a home media market. But I think, you know, you still... I mean, that's why they have, like, the games that they do at that arcade. You have, like, uh, the arcade games. You have, like, the race... the uh, generic sugar rush racing game you have like the generic 80s game that wreck ralph is like i i think they're very clever in what they include in this um in the in this uh in this arcade you know oh yeah i actually remember what they um when the movie came out they had three little retro style commercials for hero's duty and fix it felix jr and sugar rush speed right way mm -hmm. and like and then like the the, 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 the Fix It Felix Jr. commercial has him, it says, like, he, that Ralph loves living up to his record name, compare that to where he is 30 years later. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, no, it's very clever in that sort of sense. Yeah. God, uh, I'm just trying to think of other things to talk about specifically in the movie. I don't know. Do you have anything else? I don't know. Um, I, it's kind of weird, but um, but I, I just want to say, like, um, I've been trying to see um, John C. Raleigh performing at, like, the Largo, but sometimes he'll just show up unannounced. Like, he, there was a video um, fairly recently of um, him, him and Tenacious D and Beck and Dave Grohl singing Summer Breeze. Mm, okay. Um, I want to... I, I think it's on YouTube. Yeah, and um, sure we can link it. Nowadays he nowadays he does this thing called Mr. Romantic, where he sings like Great American Songbook stuff, at, where, in like in a similar manner to like Mr. Cellophane, mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, and yeah, I've been wanting to see that, but like, um, I I I I'm hoping to go to Los Angeles soon. But um, it'll be a while. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, regarding Ralph, I just think this is a very good Disney movie. Like, I think it is my favorite from the 2010s when it comes to, like, the 2010s Disney, you know? Like, it's it hits everything that I want to see in a Disney movie. Um, and it hits everything that I want to see in a crossover movie again akin to something like roger rabbit um where it's yeah. where it, it it you have moments for diehard video game fans where like you have all these references but like you still have a story and characters to attach to like so then you're you know you're not just sitting there for an hour and a half being like uh-huh reference after reference like it, it would get boring after a while as we've seen with other crossover reference heavy movies so yeah this has been this is like this is one of the best examples of this working and i'm so glad it exists um yeah, same before we wrap up i like to 
wrap up our discussions by talking about the movie on uh, Blu-ray because I do have it on Blu-ray. This movie that it's the Same. collector's edition Blu-ray. Um, I also will noticed um, this is one of those Disney Blu-rays that if you pause it, it like starts playing other things. So like I also own Muppet Christmas Carol on Blu-ray and it does the same oh, yeah. thing. Where like if you yeah, pause it carolers. Yeah, it like just starts playing other things. Like it it pauses the movie, but like it plays like some I don't know, just some random videos it has. And it's just like what this defeats the whole purpose of pausing. Like, why, why are you doing this movie? Like, yeah, this is just so um, strange. I guess, yeah, I can see why Disney Intermission didn't quite catch on. But mm-hmm. um, the Blu-ray of The Muppets, the 2011 movie, does, like, the same thing where, like, Muppets show up. And uh, when um, some of my friends, my old friends from the show choir were watching it, uh, one time, and like a Muppet would pop up whenever one of the younger members would uh, walk past the TV, and uh, and like it was like really <laughs> freaky. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's such a strange um, thing to include. But regardless, I think the movie is still so good that I can get over it. Like I still think it looks great on Blu-ray quality. Um, so. This is definitely a keep for the collection. Um, I'm so yeah. I'm so glad you recommended this. I'm so glad I was able to watch it again. I probably could have watched Ralph Breaks the Internet before talking about the this episode, but I didn't want to watch it again. <laughs> uh, but that's maybe an episode for the future. I I don't know, but yeah. Um, in terms of physical media, so you say you have this on Blu-ray too. Yeah. Okay. And I'm imagining you're keeping it, keeping it too. Yeah, I was, I was gonna see, I was planning to see John C. Riley in this play, and like my, it's one of my ambitions to like have it signed by him because like that this movie was just really special to me. Mm-hmm. It began when I was see when I wanted to see him in this play called Gather Surprising Stories and Other Mischief at the Pasadena Playhouse, like. Not the actual playhouse, but, like, a smaller adjoining theater called the Carrie Hamilton Theater. hmm And, like, I really, really wanted to go, but I couldn't... It was too last minute, and I couldn't get anyone to go with me. Like, it's just a bunch of reasons toppled upon each other, but... Yeah. I will see him one day. Yeah, and get it signed. I, that would be cool to get, like, the Blu-ray signed by John C. Riley. That would be cool. Yeah. <laughs> All right, anything last minute on Wreck-It Ralph 2012? Um, yeah, I actually remember, like, um, I actually remember when, like, I used to work at Costco, and, um, and, um, they, at, at one point, it would be showing, like, constantly on, uh, the big TVs. Mm-hmm. And that would help me get through, like, some lousy days, but then they stopped doing movies on the big TVs, so, like, and that just kind of bumped me out. Yeah, so, but they would show Wreck-It Ralph sometimes? Yeah, um, there was a period when they actually showed it, um, like, like, like when I was there, and, uh, it looked so good on, like, giant TVs. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah, it's it's nearly no, it is over 10 years old at this point cuz this came out in 2012. Um Yeah, it's eligible for the National Film Registry. Oh, is it real? Oh, it has to be 10 years or older. It, okay. Yes, at least 10 years old and like like it like and that movie does have like cultural, historic and aesthetic significance, which is also a requirement. It also has to be an American production or co-production. Yeah, it has historical and cultural relevance. It's one of the very few video game movies that's actually good. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No, I I think it deserves it. It may be a while before it actually is actually gets in because you know sometimes movies take forever to get in but you know what i think that's one that definitely deserves it yeah the right it it should get in sooner than later because the registry typically um inducts one animated film per year last year was little mermaid the year before it was wally and the year before that was shrek Mm, okay yeah so i guess it'll be a while but you know, even if it takes a while to get into the Library of Congress, it has a place in my collection. And you know what? That's more important, I would say. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, uh, I guess we can move on to our next movie, if you're okay with that. Yeah. Okay. I'll introduce this one, because this is another movie I'm very excited you wanted to recommend. Um, so we watched another movie that we got to talk about today and that is brace for your brace yourselves jimmy neutron boy genius <laughs> another movie that was also nominated for an oscar the year it came yeah. out <laughs> yeah this is it was like the first year of the category and like i know isn't that strange yeah and when they introduced it and when they had, when they first introduced that category they would have like the the characters from the movies in the audience they would have the, these little pre-recorded segments mm-hmm. and they actually recorded they actually made um little segments of um of them like each of if each of them won yeah. and either of them lost and uh so like I think the Jimmy Neutron one is resurfaced if if Jimmy Neutron won mm that's funny yeah it look i love this movie i'm just gonna come right and say it i love this movie i'm very nostalgic for it because i watched it a ton as a kid but to put it in the same category as like the very first best animated feature uh lineup along with the likes of shrek and monsters inc that's just weird to me that Jimmy Neutron of all movies was was there was like it was with those movies like it just I don't know that seems strange to me. Um, yeah, I, I'm gl- a- I'm glad Shrek won because I feel like it deserved it. I mean I would have also loved Monsters Inc if that won it because Monsters Inc is also very good. But I don't know Jimmy Neutron never really stood a chance unfortunately. <laughs> I'm, yeah. Among the likes of Monsters Inc. and uh, fucking Shrek, um, but still, regardless of all of that, judging the movie on its own, I think it's a lot of fun. Like it is very quotable. It's a very fun and you know simple movie. It doesn't make a lot of sense logically, but I'm okay with that because I just think, I, I just think this movie's real neat. I, I let's talk about it. Uh, R- Romy, what did you think of Jimmy Neutron, Boy Genius? I I think I can actually remember when the movie came out, and uh, okay, 
I don't have I I don't have that much memory of it, but I I remember it used to play on like there's a grocery store in my area. Um, we used to have this kid section, and they would have like they would play some kid friendly movies, and one of them was that one. I clearly remember the chicken dance scene being played on those TVs. <laughs> oh, they're making her parents dance so lame. No, my, my dad actually dances like that. <laughs> <laughs> Such a good scene. Yeah, no, so I I don't remember when this first came out, um, but I do remember watching it a ton as a kid because I owned it on, like, VHS. Um, I sadly don't own that VHS anymore. I don't know. We must have gotten rid of it, like, years ago, but... I remember like watching it a ton because I have a lot of lines in this movie memorized. Like, not only do this is the seventh week in a row you brought Ultraman to class, (laughs) Miss Fowl, (laughs) with nuclear knees. (laughs) I just not only do I have like certain lines like edged in my memory, but it's also like the way that the characters like deliver the lines, like. I love the scene when Nick first shows up and he's just like, oh, am I? Sorry, I was too busy uh, for, like copying my mom's handwriting to put on this note, this late pass. And then like, but like, especially the line where like Miss Fowl's just like, we have show and tell. And he's just like, oh, I don't really do show and tell. Like the way he says, I don't really do show and tell, how he's just so sarcastic and sleazy. And then Miss Fowl's just like, that's right thank you nick it's just it's it's burned into my memory forever like i don't remember fucking algebra i learned in high school but i remember that clear as day like it's i love i love the lines in this movie they're so good god just and so oh speaking of the vhs yes um, sorry if i intrude no no please go ahead I remember, like, there was a Tumblr post um, where somebody found a new unopened copy of the movie in a Kmart in, like, I think 2013 or 14. I think I remember hearing about this. Yeah, so, like, which is really funny that, like, yeah, yeah, I mean, because, like, the idea of that still being there in, like, current year, because, like, you know, it, like, it, like, because Kmart was still around in 2013. Like, you know, I go to the, I go to Bull Moose, which is like my local like DVD shop. Like that's where they sell old media. So of course they have a section for VHS tapes and I've bought VHS tapes from that store. But again, that's an old media store. That's not like Target or like Best Buy where like, you know, like the actual um, places that are still in business like that that you would never see VHS tapes in like a modern day target. Like, trust me, I've checked. They do not exist there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like I never got to experience Kmart because like, um, they, they, I, I, they closed before I could really be aware of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I remember passing by a big Kmart in, I think as late as 2011, uh, when we were, um, I think when we were going to Universal Orlando. Yeah, uh, I can't remember the last time I was at a Kmart. I might have been when I was a sophomore in high school, and that would have been like 2013, maybe 2014. Like, I don't know. Like, 
maybe that was a Kmart. I don't remember. It's long gone now. So <laughs> I don't know if, I don't even know if anything's replaced it. I think it's just an abandoned, like, I think it's just abandoned store right next to the Staples and Market Basket that's near me. Like, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I mean, there's, uh, speaking of which, I'm sorry to go into tangents, but... Uh, I mean, that's what this podcast this, is all about, is tangents. <laughs> uh, uh, sorry, I didn't do a tangent, like, didn't, didn't go too much of a tangent in, like, um, when we were talking about Ralph, but um, there's an abandoned hardware store in my area. I think it was the one where they filmed, like, parts of the movie Closet Monster. Mm. Um, and I'm thinking, like, if I get more clout in the industry, I'm gonna buy it and turn it into, like, an actual functioning film and tv studio because mm. it's like just the perfect size for one yeah and you can sell vhs copies of jimmy neutron there <laughs> <laughs> bring it all back around yeah exactly but yeah no so jimmy neutron so i'm not i'm gonna be honest i'm not as familiar with the show as i am the movie like the movie i'm obsessed with because i watched it constantly as a kid and like i just get so many nostalgia tingles returning to it um, but I know that like, you know, there's a lot of differences between the movie and the show, not just from like character design, but like, even just like the animation style is just oh so different, you know, because like, it seems a little more, it seems a little more cinematic in this movie, duh, because yeah, it was released it in theaters. A, little, yeah, it feels a lot slower. Mm -hmm. That that too. It, it's definitely, it's de definitely has like a higher frame rate in the show. Um, and even then, like, I've watched some of the show, and I think some of it's funny, but I don't know. Something about this movie is just way funnier. Like, I yeah, think... I, I, I watched the show more than the movie because it was on a lot. And I clearly remember, like, the episode where Jimmy's dad became cool. And, like, I remember somebody, like, not long ago, somebody made an edit of, um... Where he's dancing to diarrhea sounds, yeah. and like it showed up on like a Vinnie Vinesaw stream during like his YTP Plus thing. I want to see if I can find it. I mean, I do have memories of watching the show. I have a distinct memory of watching the episode where they're like having a sleepover, and like this like pizza monster is like uh, haunting them, and then it's and then it's revealed at the end that it was all a dream, but like the pizza monster's dream like this demon pizza just wakes up in like a pizzeria and he's just like oh i had this dream where like this big-headed kid was like chasing me and i'm just like and that really fucked with me as a kid i'm just like holy shit like jimmy neutron is just the made-up uh dreams of some demon pizza and some pizzeria like it, it just really fucked with me as a kid like I, it just really weirded me out um um just uh like like, imagine if you were introduced to the Tommy Westville hypothesis. So, like, let me explain it. So, there's a show called uh, Saint Elsewhere. Yes. Uh, it, it was a, it was a reg, it was just your run-of-the-mill medical drama. I think I remember the, what this is about, but no, please continue. Um. So, at the end of the show, it's revealed that uh, it was it the whole show existed in the mind of this kid who was looking at a snow globe where the like the where, like, the hospital was inside of it. Yeah, I've and, heard of this. And so there are... And so people... Uh, so so people found out that, like... Realized that since um, Homicide Life on the Street had some crossovers with it, then that show must exist in his head. And that show had crossovers with a bunch of other shows. And those shows had 
were linked to other shows and even movies. So And this ties back into it because Jimmy Neutron did a crossover with Fairly Odd Parents on several occasions. So Oh yeah, and um I guess like if Fairly Otter, the sequel show, the semi-sequel, had crossovers with other shows, then that would be possibly be part of the Tommy Westville universe. I guess so, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, to tie it back into the movie, Jimmy Neutron, I just, I just, so I'm, I'm watching it, I'm just like, you know, it's just such a weird movie when you get down to it, because it's basically about a kid who's a genius that's never really established why he's a genius he's just a very smart kid similar to like i don't know dexter's laboratory or something like that um and then he contacts aliens and then the aliens come and abduct the parents and then the kids have to go get the parents back from these egg-shaped aliens i mean when you get down to it it's so simple but like a lot of questions arise like and i remember like as I got older, like I started to question a lot more things. Cause it's just like, okay, all the parents got abducted. What about the adults that aren't parents? Like, did they also get abducted? But also like what constitutes an adult? Like where, wh what happened to all the teenagers? Why is it just children that are left in the, in retroville? And for that matter, like, why these just specific kids like how many parents actually got abducted like they treat it as if like the town's been abandoned but like then you see like all the parents that are like mind controlled that are like surrounding poultry at the end like that doesn't seem like a whole lot of adults when you get down to it that does not seem like a town like the amount of adults that would fill up a town um in which case you have to remember oh right this is a nickelodeon movie meant for small children I don't think they were really thinking about that. You know, they weren't really thinking yeah, about the nitty gritty to, details. <laughs> yeah, to quote, a, to quote a very famous show, it's just a show I should really just relax. Yeah, exactly. Mystery Science Theater. Yeah. Um, but it's just really funny to nitpick that kind of stuff. And I, again, you know, like speaking of nitpick, I guess we have to talk about the gigantic elephant in the room. If we're talking about nitpicks, the fact that they go into space and they don't have space helmets. Like they're just they're just like in open rocket ships flying through space, and they're just breathing normally. <laughs> like, and you know what? That never really bothered me as a kid because I'm just like, uh, well, one, I didn't really think about that because as a kid, you're not really familiar with how the sciences of space. You know, the sciences of space for me as a kid extended to Star Wars. Um, but you know, like. You know, thinking about that, it's just like, okay, like, I guess if we're really going off the logic that Jimmy Neutron, this genius, receives a note from these aliens and buys it as his parents for like an entire day before questioning it. It's like, all right, clearly this movie can get away with a lot of things, I guess, you know? Yeah, I, I remember like some scenes, like I love what, how they made the... um how like they made all, all the amusement park rides into stuff mm -hmm. like tough stuff to get to space and like it was one of my first like introductions to the concept of like a Chekhov's gun mm. like Weezer's um like Carl Weezer's inhaler yeah like it was, it was just a one-off joke then he used it to like get at the alien 
Yeah, there's a couple of Chekhov's guns in this movie because there's also the scene at the beginning when like Jimmy sees Goddard and he's just like, all right, play dead. And then Goddard explodes. And then he uses that at the end where like he's just like, Goddard, play dead. And Goddard explodes. And then they're able to escape the prison. Like, yeah, there's a couple of things like that where you're just like, huh, this movie had some thought put into it. (laughs) Um, But it's little things like that um, that are that are kind of well written it's just the logic of science fiction where it's like oh we're flying in spaceships out in space but with no space helmets it's like whatever (laughs) you know Yeah, and um there's i'm one of my um jess one of our uh, somebody we both know um she said she watched it at summer camp she the summer camp she works at and the kids kept asking how could they breathe in space and the director told them because it's just a movie yeah exactly exactly it's it's just a movie it's a movie made by nickelodeon like who cares like just witness the story it's telling and i mean you know for what it is like yes there's a lot of inconsistencies in the logic whatever it's a cartoon like i'm here because it's very it's a very funny movie like and yeah there's so many jokes that are just really funny in this movie that like again like i've been saying i quote this movie constantly just because it's so memorable in that case like i <laughs> carl and his obsession with llamas like sheen and his obsession with ultra lord like it it leads to very funny scenes um <laughs> i <laughs> just Oh, God. Thinking about, like, the scene where, like, Sheen and Nick are fighting in the prison. How, like, (laughs) Nick's just like, that is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. And Sheen's just like, no, this is the stupidest thing you've ever heard. And he just, like, starts gargling off nonsense. Like, it's it's very simple jokes and scenes, but, like, they're funny nonetheless, you know? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, one thing I wanted to mention. I just realized this time around when they're on the when they're on like the little uh asteroid flying through space um and like nick is like telling that like campfire story he's essentially uh reciting um the plot of blair witch project because he says like the, the three filmmakers get out of their tent and like you know it's just it's ve- like i never noticed that as a kid because well i didn't watch blair witch project as a kid whereas like now as an adult now that i've seen blair witch project i understand the reference now Oh yeah, Blair Witch is another Blair Witch Project is another movie that should uh, be in the National Film Registry because of like, because it, it did so much for the found footage genre. Mm-hmm. And the Blair Witch sequels should be forgotten and never mentioned. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. But yeah, no, I just I I think what it boils down to with this movie is I'm very nostalgic for it. Clearly, um, like. I'm not going to act like it's a fantastic movie. Like, again, the fact that it went up into the Oscars against the likes of Monsters, Inc. and Shrek is pretty much akin to when Shark Tale went up against Shrek 2 and The Incredibles. Like, you know, yeah. it's... And, and not to say that, like, Jimmy Neutron is on the same level as Shark Tale. Like, Shark Tale is its own cinematic masterpiece. Um, but I feel like Jimmy Neutron, like objectively speaking is a better movie than shark tale but again shrek and monsters inc like those are two titans when it comes to animation like they're genuinely great films whereas i feel like jimmy neutron is just fine at best um clearly i rate it higher because i'm so nostalgic for it and i think it's just so funny 
but that's the thing. Like, I would never really claim it as like you know, Monsters Inc. tier or Shrek tier. Um, but then again, Shrek and Monsters Inc. don't have the cotton candy kid. <laughs> the the one time I will ever agree with Doug Walker's stance on comedy comes from misery, where seeing that little black kid, like super fat from eating all that cotton candy and bawling his eyes out because he won the cotton candy eating competition and then he burps and his shirt rips it's like chef's kiss it is so funny it leaves me in a fit of tears every time we we were trying to see we were trying to see who could eat the most cotton candy and i won (laughs) and uh, and i was just thinking like uh like it, I don't didn't see it. Like I was just trying to look up the Annie Awards. Um, like it didn't look like there was much. Um, mm-hmm. in the in like much animation animated movies in two thousand one. You know, it's a or shame like, that like Atlantis came out in two thousand one and it wasn't nominated at all. Like, oh at my god. All. How can I forget that? I know. Well, I mean, technically speaking, Spirited Away also came out in 2001, but then it was re-released in America in 2002. So that's why Spirited Away won in 2002 instead, But even though it's yeah. technically came out in 2001. But yeah, like Atlantis came out in 2001. Like, uh, I get it. Like, it, like, Atlantis was a huge bomb at the time and like critics were kind of sour on it. I, I guess that is a case of, well nowadays we see it as good because well yeah i like atlantis um yeah it's like one of those movies that like uh people just kind of look and turn their noses upon it and then they realize that it was like oddly progressive and like in terms of certain themes yeah and it was like now looking back but i guess looking at it though i think i still rated jimmy neutron higher than atlantis so I still prefer Jimmy Neutron over Atlantis, but yeah, I, I think um, when we think of, I think looking I'm, back, I if Atlantis was a much bigger hit, it probably would have been the third movie instead of Jimmy Neutron. Yeah. Thinking about it, oh, that means they would have had to have animated like Milo and uh, Kida. Um, ex- like if it won, like they would have had to am- animate them like in the audience, like they did with Jimmy Neutron and Shrek. <laughs> and, uh, Sully and Mike. Oh yeah. Wouldn't that have been cursed? <laughs> would, would those have been the characters they would have used? Hmm. They probably would have because like, those are like the two most popular characters. Those are the, like the two characters you think of when you think of Atlantis. So they probably would have had to have been them. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. Um, uh, is there anything else you want to say about Jimmy Neutron before we get into talking about the DVD I have it on? Uh, I don't really know. Um, I don't own it, but I did have the soundtrack at from a thrift store at some point in time. But Ooh, I, I just... yeah. That's a good point, actually. The music is really nostalgic for me. Yeah, <laughs> I'll say, I'll say I, that. It was, it was where I first heard the Blitzkrieg Bob. Yeah, I know people probably think Spider-Man Homecoming when they think Blitzkrieg Bop, but like I have always thought of Jimmy Neutron when thinking of that song because I I associate it with this movie. Um, Yeah, and uh, And then you have like We're the Kids in America, um, uh, Other, (laughs) 
Actually, We Got the Beat, that song I also associate with this movie. Um, I didn't recognize it back then, but, like, eventually, like, I first, eventually I just, like, I don't associate it that much, but I probably think, like, Disney Channel, I guess. Mm -hmm. I I don't remember where I've heard. Uh, where else I've heard it. You know what I but noticed, I... like, is that they have, like, a weird remake of the um, She Blinded Me with Science song at some oh, point in the yeah! movie. And that always kind of weirded me out because, like, I like the original song from the 80s. And then to just hear this, like, remix, like, in this movie. And, and like, you barely notice it because it's when he's walking through his lab. And, like, a lot of that song has, like, these, like, laboratory and, like, kind of mechanical sounds to it. So it just kind of fits in with the scene a little too well where you don't even really notice it <laughs> um but it, it's still a neat inclusion like you know when you think of you know jimmy neutron boy genius and you want to implement like pop culture songs like i think she blinded me with science is one you want to put in yeah um yeah muppets tonight has the funnier implementation of that song yeah is that the... it was like hey could you um Hey, hey, could you tell us how you met this person, preferably with a song by Thomas Dolby? <laughs> uh, I gotta watch more Muppets tonight. Um, the, yeah, the, Ella Fino is like goaded, the, the most goaded joke. Yeah, in the show. yeah. I, the extent of my knowledge of Muppets tonight is all the characters were in Muppets from Space. So. <laughs> yeah. Um. I know it's. I don't know if it's gonna be able to show up on disney plus but um oh, i think yeah. all the episodes are on youtube oh really okay that's good to know that's good to know um but yeah okay so you say you don't own this on any blu-ray or dvd um i do i own it on dvd i have it on a i think it's a dvd from 2002 because it's saying that it's like paramount's 90th anniversary how old is paramount when was paramount like founded officially uh, 1912 was it 1912? It might have yes, been. Yes, because, like, they had their 100th anniversary in, like, uh, like 2012. Okay, so, yeah, so the so this movie would have, so the movie came out in 2001, but I guess the DVD release would have come out in 2002, so that would have been Paramount's 90th anniversary. Okay. Um, yeah. It's really, really cool DVD. The case is, like, yellow. Um you know how, like, standard DVD cases are usually black? Sometimes they'll be a different color. I own Marmaduke 2010 on a red DVD case. Um, yeah. That's a whole other lore bit of the pod- podcast. But anyway, like, yeah, this is a DVD that's in pretty good condition, and it's in a yellow case. Um, I think I think I got this from a friend. Like, I think I was at a friend's house when I was, like, 18. And I remember, like... He had like a bunch of DVDs that he was getting rid of. And one of them was Jimmy Neutron. And I'm like, dude, can I take this? He's like, yeah, I don't want it. And I'm like, yes. And so I snatched it. And I'm like, yes, I have Jimmy Neutron on DVD. Um, And yeah, you know, you get like this very cool looking menu with it. Um, Yes, it's a DVD. So it's not the highest quality. But like, I think there's something charming about owning movies from like the early 2000s on like these nice early 2000s dvd um so i love the movie i'm clearly very nostalgic for it um i can quote the hell out of it like nobody's business so 
I'm keeping the DVD, not just because I love the movie, but because I like the idea of owning this DVD. I think it's a very neat DVD. Um, and yeah, no, I, it, it has a place in the collection for sure. Um, so yeah. Will you ever own it on physical? Do you think? Um, maybe it'll probably show up in uh, Value Village, but I don't have that much, uh, DVD space, so, uh, Mm -hmm. maybe I'll, maybe when I get my own house, like, two or three years from now. Yeah, so, yeah, but, like, I guess something like Wreck-It Ralph is, like, of more importance than I would say this movie, I would suppose. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I get that, but what's... Most important is, yes, Jimmy Neutron holds a place in this collection for sure. Yeah. Um, okay, was there anything else you wanted to say before we wrap up the episode? Um, so I, I use, I own, gosh, trying to find the right words. Um, I, uh, so as, um, Hal inferred earlier on the, at the start of this episode, um, I have a podcast called um, Watch This. It's like MSTs of movies, which are like a, a mix between a traditional podcast and an MST. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, I was on the and, Muppet Christmas Carol episode and the Lake Michigan Monster episode. Yeah. Right? Did I get those right? I think I remember yes, th- those you, are the movies yes, we talked did. about. Okay. <laughs> And um like it can be found in on several podcast places and I'm trying to and I'm hoping to get another podcast uh put together called um I um I, I don't know what it's called, but it's gonna be like a bunch of like I'm gonna interview a bunch of entertainment people I've met on my journeys. Uh, but like um, I, and with a little help from some friends. Uh so like I keep blanking on a title so like um maybe you could help out with the actual podcast uh well i'm sure one like a podcast title will come to fruition at some point but i mean if you're still in the planning process it'll it'll come eventually i'm sure yeah yeah is there and i and a I mean, I'm gonna try not to get too many actors. I mean, maybe like, I mean, it, I mean, a lot of the people I've met are like directors and uh, other people. Mm-hmm. I, I'm also hoping to bring on some musicians, um, and maybe some authors and theater people. Hmm. Nice. Well, is there anything else you want to shout out? You have a do? You, don't you have a letterbox? I think I follow you on letterbox. Yes, I, I have a letterbox. It's at FraggleVision. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll be sure to link all of these things in the description below for sure. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. All right, Romy. Uh, thanks for coming on. I'm again. I'm sorry we we've been planning this for months now, but I'm glad we were finally able to talk about Wreck-It Ralph and Jimmy Neutron. Um. I'm glad. Oh, I'm glad I can keep thanks. these movies. So yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for coming on, and uh, thank you, the listener, for listening to this podcast. If you want to support the show, uh, give a like, give a comment, listen to us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, or on YouTube as well. That's fine too. Whatever, it doesn't matter. 
We're re- recording this on the day that I've released the Ninja Turtles episode, so hopefully I'll get this out maybe Wednesday. The What is Wednesday? Monday's the 7th because that's my birthday. Tuesday would then be the 8th. Wednesday would be the 9th, so hopefully it comes out on that day. If not, it, it'll come out eventually, you know, eventually. <laughs> but yeah. Eventually. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, thanks for listening, and uh, always remember... Uh, it's Jimmy Neutron time. No, I'm I'm bad, and that's good. I will never be good, and that's not bad. I'm cringe, and that's based. <laughs> I'll never be based, and that's not cringe. <laughs> oh, we saved it. All right, goodbye, everybody. Bye. <laughs> 